and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers, and I'm your host, Dorothy Odell, for this evening. I have the distinct pleasure to bring up the first sponsor of today's show, which is Owen Sharp in his book, The Great Flood of Bovenland. You can get your copy today on Amazon uh, in several different countries, um, so go check that out and support Owen. He is an amazing young man. And uh, if you have children between the ages of one to seven, it's a great book filled with adventure and amazing illustrations that Owen himself has uh, definitely produced. All right. Well, I'm super excited. So I'm going to bring Norm Welsh to the show. Thank you for joining us today, Norm. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Well, we're honored to have you. So for people who have no idea who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm currently working as a chaplain and a drug addiction counselor at a mes residential facility. Um, I was a police officer for about 26 years, and uh, that ended kind of badly. So that's why I had to change careers. Right. I, I love that, that you could say that and, and kind of like joke now, but I'm sure it was no joking matter, especially no, with this oh, 26 no, not at the time. Years. Oh, my gosh. Not at the time. <laughs> um, and, and so let's hear your overcoming story, because I, I'm sure it starts with law enforcement for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, so I, I started off in about 1985, I believe, as a police officer, a city police officer. And um, it was no one ever told me the trauma that we were going to have to go through. It wasn't in the perspective, right? It didn't say, you know, you're going to get PTSD and you're going to have a wonderful life. You know, it just says, you know, help people, which I really wanted to do. But I didn't realize that. And that's I don't want to be naive, but really nobody understands what these police officers and firemen go through on a daily basis. Um, I was working less than a couple months and there was a plane crash into a, a shopping center. And um, it was on the December 23rd, about 50 yards from where um, Santa was in line of kids, over 14 oh dead and 50 injured. You know, it was, it was just a horrible scene. And that was my, basically my um, first sight of death, right? My first experience with death and trauma. Wow. And, you know, it, I'm not trying to whine or, or, or complain about it, right. but I'm just a little frustrated because there was no preparation, right? The police academy, they said, well, eat, you know, eat good and exercise and get good sleep. And that, that was it, you know, a four hour block on stress. And right. they didn't say how to, how to really de-stress, how to, how to process the stuff. And then literally, you know, you're, you're done with those calls. You know, I've had uh, babies die in my arms. I've had um, children drown. I've had uh, seen decapitated, you know, um, individuals from car crashes, uh, people hit by trains that were just, you know, you had to pick up body parts. And then half hour later, you're, you're taking a, a police report on a burglary in a house, you know, and there's no way to process it. And especially for people who have kids. I had two little kids at that time, and um, there was one event that really hit me hard. It was a, a guy who was going through a divorce, and he didn't want his wife to have custody of the kids, so he ended up killing both toddlers you know, in the bedroom and um, then shooting and killing himself. And I was right outside the room with the rest of the SWAT team. And, and so these, these are things you just can't unsee. You know? right. I thought I was doing a good job because my dad was an ex-military guy and he pretty much taught me, hey, men don't show emotions, you know, 
just put it out of your mind and move forward. Right. But later on, they came to, you know, rear their ugly head. In about 1999, I was diagnosed with a neuromuscular disease. It was called, called Charcot-Marie tooth disease, which is the atrophy of the muscles in the extremities, and then peripheral neuropathy, which is a deadening of the nerves in the in the um, extremities. It's a lot of diabetic habit. I'm not diabetic, but somehow because my father had it, it, I got it genetically. And what happened then is it started to affect my feet real bad where I required 30 surgeries during a 10 year period. And um, these surgeries were just so stressful that PTSD started um, to, to come out and I started having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, really bad nightmares, all, all these things. And after every surgery, the doctors would give you Percocet, um, you know, all kinds of um, painkillers. And with neuropathy, you'd have no feeling in your feet. So I had no feeling and I wasn't in pain. Right. But what I found was that I could numb my emotions with the pills. Right. And so I started using that to numb my emotions and to deaden basically my feelings. So all day long, I would just be on an even keel, right? And soon, it, I didn't think of it at the time as a problem, but, you know, years later, it became a big problem. Right. So um, during that time, I was basically addicted to the pain pills. Um, you know, I, I, I should have realized what they were doing, but in the police or the first responder culture, there's a, a stigma of mental health. If I were to to go to the, the sergeant or the chief and say, hey, um, I really need to talk to somebody. The first thing they do is they take your gun, take kick you off duty. And then, of course, they're not going to be silent about it, right? They're going to start telling everybody else, and pretty soon everybody else knows. And because you're weak, nobody else will trust you. So there's absolutely no way that you can actually ask for help within the department. And they'll be, they'll be happy to send you to the psychologist if you want. But it's a career killer. I, I think in Iowa, there was just, I saw, saw in the newspaper the other day was a police officer. He was diagnosed with PTSD and this police department fired him, you know, and, and now he's got a lawsuit. But these are the things in, in the military also. You, you see it in the military where um, a veteran wants to be um, diagnosed. They get diagnosed and they lose their security clearances. You know, so this is why nobody comes forward. And this is why I didn't, because I get a lot of, questions. Why didn't you just seek help? Why didn't you just stop? It's not that easy. It's a warrior mentality. Any sign of weakness, no one will ever work with you again and you'll, you'll be shunned, you know? Right. So you have said I, so much there. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I have a limited time. So I'm trying to talk. Fast. No, no, fast. no, no, no. no. We've got the time. I just have a couple questions because sure. you've said so much that I was just like, well, wait a minute. I yeah. got to ask questions on this. So how far, far along in your police career before that plane accident uh, happened? The plane incident? Uh, three months, four months. Holy cow. So yeah. a new cadet. Wow. Yeah, wow, that would be and so and they didn't offer any counseling no, at no, that point. No. Wow. Now, wow, wow. Nowadays they do debriefings, you know, so my, my last um, involvement in a shooting was uh, 2008. So we do do the um, debriefings. So everybody there gets together, tells their side, kind of fills up the holes that that, you know, uh, OK, oh, I didn't know that. And so we all get together and they offer you know, okay, if, if anybody has an issue, here's a phone number to call. But again, 
you're calling a city or state. I, I ended up working for the state later. So they give they give you the city or the state doctor, right? You can't just go to any doctor and and otherwise for the workman's comp stuff, they have to have the city doctor. So the city doctor, even though they say it's confidential, the first call they make, if I, I mean if I told the truth and said this this one night I put a gun in my mouth and I was like this close to to shoot myself, the first call when I leave the door would be, Hey chief, you got a a, a guy here that you know is suicidal. Right. So it, there's there's no way to to work the system and i was not a believer in god at the time i was pretty much an agnostic i mean i believe there was something there mm-hmm. but i believe that if i would have had some faith i could have went to the church and maybe saw uh, somebody for pastoral care and maybe right. i could have worked it out there where mm-hmm. i wouldn't have had to go to the um to the police department to do it in right. but yeah you you just can't um they, they offer it to you because it's the law but they really don't stand by you if something happens. Right. And, you know, you're not the first one that I've heard where there's this, this segment within the police department where, right. you know, if, if you're struggling with mental health, then, you know, um, oh, well, I don't want him as my partner now or, yeah. or things like that, or, you know, they take your gun away. Um, and, and meanwhile, they don't do anything to, or very little to help you, you know, cope with that PTSD, especially after hearing that gunshot, you know, you said that, you know, you heard, you heard all that when that um, guy killed his, I'm not going to call him gentleman. I just can't. Sorry. When that guy killed his, his toddlers and then took his own life. Um, Obviously he was struggling, no judgment, but I mean, it was just like, wow. And to, you know, be on the other side of that door and listening to all that, I couldn't even imagine. Like we saw a car accident yesterday when we were driving through Michigan. I'm in Canada. We went to Michigan and there was a car flipped up on its side. And I just happened to see the gentleman on the road. And I told my son to like turn the other way because I didn't want him to see it. My husband's driving, trying to pay attention because the the vehicles in front of us. And I, I just prayed. I'm like, I hope to God he's okay. He was surrounded by people. We we couldn't stop. If we would have stopped where we were, we we would have caused more of an accident, but um, I knew he was getting attention. Um, But still, I mean, just even seeing that is devastating, you know, let alone being in the line of fire, so to speak with, with your job, like seriously, uh, and not being, not getting the support that you needed in order to carry that out. So it's no wonder why, you know, um, our first responders and veterans, um, you know, seek to other, other things yeah. to sell to. Um, okay. So sorry. Now we'll, well get back to, to no, where you were in the story. I, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, I saw them a few days ago, but there has been more on um, police and fire suicides than there have, I'm sorry, more police officer suicides this year than have been killed um, by shootings from somebody else. So in other words, we're dying at a higher rate by our own hands than others. And that tells you something's not right there. So the stigma is still there, right? And and we really have to do something. That's the reason why I'm, I'm doing this. It's, it's, it's a pandemic, right? And it's not just the cops. It's, it's all the people that have suffered childhood trauma and, and other, even when we say trauma, we think about veterans, we think about war, we think about the stuff we just mentioned. But really, I mean, if you go through a nasty divorce and it's contentious and you're fighting over the kids and money, that's stressful and that's traumatic too. 
you know, mm -hmm. so, so many people are suffering, suffering with trauma that it, it's amazing how we're all functioning together. Well, it, even all of us, the entire world has been at the hands of the pandemic. Right. And so yeah. we have all had PTSD from this. I went from being a social butterfly to not really wanting to leave my house anymore because I for two years I had to stay in my house except to go to work. Uh, so I totally get it right yeah. there. Like everybody is at an even playing field and I'm not comparing my trauma to your right. trauma. Oh. I'm just saying we've. I think the entire world has been through trauma over the last couple of years because we're not meant to be stuck inside and not to socialize with people. Mm -hmm. We are not meant to be that. We are meant to be with each other. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, anyways, we'll get off that soapbox because that could be a whole show right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so about, I, I, I thought I was doing a good job on working and, and managing these negative emotions. Although at night I was having some horrific um, nightmares and, and PTSD is, is really funny. It's, the, the the nightmares are so vivid and you could almost smell the the things you know so what, my nightmares would be about all the death scenes that I've been to and I'm not trying to to say I've I've suffered any more than anybody else the all police officers go through this you know I, I've heard the number I don't, I don't know if there's a it's a real statistic but I've heard the number of over 800 traumatic events during a career and um, so I'm not trying to say oh woe is me woe is me I suffered so much it's just mm -hmm. I had a worse poor, more of a poor coping mechanism than, than others have had. Right. So I was doing okay with that. And then my daughter who was 24 at the time, she came down with liver tumors and wow. these tumors were, um, were so severe that the doctors here, I'm near San Francisco, California. And those doctors had to send her to, um, Los Angeles, UCLA medical center in order to, to just, um, do the, um, the testing required. And the, they told us that the surgery would have to remove three quarters of her liver, which was okay. But this one tumor was wrapped around an artery, which made it very difficult to do. And only they could do it. Right. And they were honest with me. They said, you know, she got a 50% survival of, of the surgery. And, and that would set me off. I mean, it, it was like the last straw kind of, and I just went off the deep end and, um, I started doing a lot of dangerous things. So if you know anything about police work, you do things in two, you know, and I was working narcotics at the time. So when we would do search warrants, I would do dangerous things like enter a room by myself. In, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, if I can get myself shot and killed, I would leave this, this earth and, and leave this, um, this, this, this job as a hero, right? Not thinking that, okay, I could get shot in the stomach and, and it could um, go through my my spine. I could be, you know, in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Now, that's the weird, the, not only the pills, but the PTSD gets you in a weird way of thinking. Right. So uh, I couldn't get myself killed. So um, one night we were working and um, because of my, my feet, I had to wear braces and that night I didn't, didn't wear these braces because I had to wear combat boots. And um, I don't know if you've seen on TV, but when you do a search warrant, the, the guys get in the line and they you know sneak up to the house. Well, I, I always have to look down to see where I'm walking because if I step in anything that's uneven, I go right down. So I didn't do that. I stepped in a pothole and I went right down and everybody just laughed. I mean, it wasn't right in front of the house, but everybody just laughed. 
And that's the kind of weird, sick humor that cops do. Right. And I was laughing kind of a little bit too. But after we were done and I got my car and I started to drive away, it, it hit me like I've been exposed. You know, now everybody knows my weaknesses. I can't do this anymore. It's over, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I started crying. And I found a spot um, that I thought I could kill myself and shoot myself, you know, without really causing a lot of trouble. I wrote out a note to my wife. And um, thank God I, I couldn't do it. And I think that was God intervening. Even though I didn't believe in him at the time, I, I think that was God intervening. And um, from then on, I just started making some stupid mistakes, you know, bad decisions. And um, this guy, I, I thought I knew better. And th- this guy wanted me to to take some drugs out of the evidence and give it to him to sell because he was trying to pay his back taxes. Somehow in my warped mind, I, I thought, okay, I could do this without getting caught, right? Because mm-hmm. we all know, think we can get away with stuff. I know that's why caught. these two crime shows are so so funny because everybody thinks they can get away with it. You can't. But you know, you, you got a little bit of the devil talking to you. Oh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. A little bit of your, your pride, your ego, right? Okay, I've been a cop 26 years. I could do this. You know, no problem. No, you know, it, and I think it was meant to be that I got caught anyway. Because I think if I didn't get caught, I would probably do more, you know, because it was adrenaline rush and I was really in a bad way at that time. So I think God knew what it took to um, to, to really get me to stop. So the next day I get arrested and 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 that's it. I'm in jail. And I don't know if you want to hear the story of, of how God, you know, kind of lassoed me in, Absolutely. but that's the next step. Absolutely. You know, we, we are definitely all about the, the Holy Spirit and, and oh. faith in this on this show. So absolutely. And, uh, you know, I just have to say, you, you see, like you said, you um, said something about true crime uh, shows and things like that. This is it's like a textbook. Mm-hmm. And CIS, like listening to this, <laughs> and and you know you're thinking, you know, oh, this doesn't really happen in real life, and here we are talking to Norm. It actually does, and you know your your sense of humor. When you funny when you said, you know, when you fell and you laughed, I have a very dry, warped sense of humor. So mm-hmm. when people, unless it's like truly like like someone's bleeding out, right. I have a tendency to laugh. And my, I got that from my dad. So when you said that, I was just like, it, I was kind of snickering. Then I thought, well, wait a minute. Because what you said, you know, after that, you att- attempted to commit suicide. And I'm just like, okay, so from now on, no more of that stuff. Because <laughs> I don't want to be anybody's trigger. <laughs> but I do have a tendency to laugh when something like that happens. No, you know, so. you know we all do. So, I mean, the- just it wasn't really the laughing it, it was the idea of being exposed right because i was trying to conceal this this um disability and right. to be totally honest i should have i should have left the job because i was really unfit for duty not only with the pills but with the with the way my i mean my hands started curl i don't know if you can see that but my hands i couldn't button buttons my wife had to put velcro on my shirts you know uh it's just but it's that that mentality of, you know, I, I'm a warrior. I can do this. I can I can get a few more years out of this. Nobody'll know, right? I can hide. Right. No, you know. Right. So I, I I bailed out, or my my wife bailed me out of jail, and I was sitting at home, and uh, obviously I was a mess. You know, my wife was a mess because uh, 
she tried for years to to get me to see somebody. I mean, there would be times when months when I, when I was not working, I would just be in the fetal position in bed, right, watching TV. You got to get out of bed. You got. I don't feel like it. Oh, you got to seek. You got to help get some help. Oh no, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, and I and I then then you turn it on the other one because we always hurt the ones we love, right? So I would say to her, and I'm so I'm so ashamed of this. I would say to her, listen, if you would treat me better, I wouldn't even be in this position, right? Yeah, I mean, what a horrible thing to say, right? But this this is why we all need to heal, right? Because we do hurt the ones we love. Yeah. And so we're sitting on the couch, and this phone rings, and um, I I answer the phone, and it's a guy identifies himself as um, Pastor Jeff from New Hope International Church. And again, I, I'm not a believer. So um, I go, okay. He goes, well, I got your your number from a friend of your father's. And um, I know that you are in, in a situation. I'm just offering up counseling and we, you know, to come to church because I know these times can be tough. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I basically, I blew him off. I said, well, you know, I, I'm okay. You know, and I, I don't really need any help. I, I'm doing okay. But what he did then, he goes, okay, um, I'm going to invite you to the church. You know, you can come or you, you don't come. It doesn't matter. Can I pray for you before I um, um, I hang up? I said, sure. And, you know, in, in my mind, I'm going, knock yourself out, you know, because I'm not listening anyway, right? I'm watching TV and I'm looking over. Mm-hmm. But he prayed the sinner's prayer, and I had no idea what the sinner's prayer was. And at the end, he said, do you take Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I didn't know what to say, so I just said yes, right? I, I didn't really mean it. God sure you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God got me there, you know. And I went back to the couch, and my my wife looked at me, and she saw something. I don't know if it's aura. I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, my, I wear everything on my sleeve. But she said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Well, I don't think anything's wrong. Actually, I'm feeling a little bit better. Right? It's it's kind of weird." And she had grown up in the church, and she, but she didn't want to fight with me about it. So she had always been really low about her, her beliefs. And um, she said, well, maybe that's what we're missing in our lives is, is God. Why don't we go to church? So I went to church with her the next week. I dressed up because I always thought you got to be dressed up for church. And I, we go to the church and it was just wonderful. But when we walked in, there was guys tattoos on their faces and on their necks and on their arm, you know, sideways hats and shorts and everything like that. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, what do I get myself into? Because I'm still got the cop mindset, right? And back then, uh, uh, tattoos were a no-no, right? All the cops have tattoos now, but back then they really didn't. But they were so loving. They they hugged us. They didn't know who I was, but they hugged us and welcomed us. And the pastor, he was so, um, the the sermon was just so uplifting and and so good. I I really felt at home there. And we started to go. And I felt more comfortable there than I felt at work with the guys I used to work with. It was really, it was really amazing. So then, I'm sorry the story is so long, but there's so much that's information. A, that's so, so then my daughter, they, they wanted to do a biopsy. So um, we, we they set up the time for the biopsy. I went with her. Um, the biopsy went smoothly. They had the surgical team waiting just in case. And so a couple of weeks later, we get the call. Okay, the, can you come in for the test results? Okay. So when we came into the doctor's office, the doctor said, well, we have to do another CT scan uh, because there's an issue with the other one. And we're thinking, oh, that's weird. Okay. She did not CT scan, went to have lunch, went back. And the doctor just, he looks at us and, and he puts the two scans up on that lighted thing. Yeah. And he goes, I don't know what to tell you, but the, the biopsy showed normal liver tissue. And 
so the one scan that was done in the past, you could see that the liver was dark colored and, and the, the tumors were white. And this one had the liver that was dark colored, but no white spots at all. He goes, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. And I, I reacted, you know, from, from the thought, I was mad. I said, you got no idea your false um, diagnosis, what you put me through, you know? And he goes, no, 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 no. Here's UCLA's medical center's second opinion, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I realized that God had healed her. And, and that's when I decided, okay, God is real. And uh, I'm going to 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 do whatever it takes to follow him and and not necessarily pay him back, but but right. to be thankful and grateful for what he's done in my life. It's, that was a wonderful day right there, even though I was about to go to prison. But that was a wonderful day. That is so amazing. You know, you, we hear so many different testimonies of, of people being healed. Um, you know, scans show different things. And uh, I've had a couple of those with my dad uh, throughout the years, you know, had, had a uh, only guy in the history in the entire world that um, was on dialysis and got off dialysis without a kidney transplant. Wow. Wow. So, and it only took God that uh, he went in just before Christmas. He came home for Christmas. That was my Christmas gift. The next day, I brought him in for his uh, one of his treatments, uh, and he was released in May of the following year. Oh, that man had nine lives until he didn't. <laughs> I think God knows exactly what's going to take, right? He knew that I was on the fence, that I, I was studying the Bible, but I, I made the mistake of studying the Old Testament, right? And I go, look, well, what kind of God kills 50,000 people at a time? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I like this God, right? So I'm on the fence. But he knew he knew what it took, you know. So um, it, it was just it was just just amazing. And so um, I pled guilty because I was guilty, and um, I got sentenced to actually 14 years in prison. And they sent me; they promised to keep me in California near my family, but of course, they sent me to Fort Worth, Texas. And I was angry at that because I thought, you know, God, what are you doing? You you know, you're keeping away from my family. <sighs> but then, as soon as I got there, I realized why he sent me there. And the first day there, I got a, a job at the chapel, and there was like um, four other cops there that had had done stupid stuff, and so I had not necessarily that you want to just hang out with cops, but but I had someone that spoke the language, right, and someone maybe I could let let out, and there was one of them though that was a um, um, uh, from LAPD who had done some really bad stuff, and when he was in jail, he came to Christ, and a pastor came to him and, and taught him what what's, was then called inner healing. Um, inner healing has kind of a bad connotation, but it it's a way to like a spiritual cleansing. And he, he showed me how to do that and how to study the Bible. Cause I was studying it academically and he told me, no, you study with your heart, you know? So you read a paragraph, you kind of think about it. Then you, you say, okay, how does this apply to my life? And then you read it again. Obviously that's not every single paragraph. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, but the, the important stuff. And then the, the Tyndale um, Theological Seminary was coming into the um, prison and teaching seminary. So like, okay, God, I, I see what you're doing. Okay, I see what you're doing. So I ended up getting my master's degree in theology and counseling. And then I ended up getting my doctorate in Christian counseling. And then they moved me to um, a minimum security, which was here in California. Minimum security was wonderful. It had no fences, no locks on the doors. 
and that's where I got my degree in um, drug addiction or alcohol and drug addiction counseling. And good, the COVID came, and oh, I ran I ran the church with another guy that we co-pastored the church there um, because the chaplain didn't have enough time. There's three different prisons right there and one chaplain, so he allowed us to to run that um, um, chapel there. But then COVID came, and uh, because of my my pre um, um, illness. They, they said, you know, listen, you're, you've been good the whole time. You know, you got good time credits, so we're going to let you go home. Um, and I came home in 2020. So wow. I got three years early, and that, that was unheard of, too. So God, God was just so good. You know, he took care of my family. Um, you know, I didn't have to lose my house, and ah, he, he was just, just wonderful. But the, the way the book came about was when I started doing the inner healing stuff, I started feeling better and I realized that as I was cleansing and, and peeling away these layers of this onion, right. All this yeah. traumatic events and yeah. forgiving people that I needed to forgive and um, writing people and asking for forgiveness for the, for other things that I was starting to feel better. And so him and I, we were able to um, counsel because the chaplain there wasn't really pro inmate. I don't want to say anything bad about it, but it really wasn't pro inmate. So he said, hey, man, this guy wants to, to talk. Why don't you guys, since you're in school, why don't you go talk to him? So we ended up talking, um, counseling like over a dozen guys. And we, we saw how God was working in their lives, you know. So this, I, I thought myself, this is so simple. If I would have known the gospel when I was younger, man, I, I don't think this ever would have happened to me. And that's why I wrote the book, to, to just teach, show people. All right. Man, there's a lot in that. And yeah. and so you you got out three years earlier. Now, yeah. I get the whole, you know, the PTSD when you uh, were in the force. But, you know, and we talk about, we talk in the uh, veteran world, we talk about transition. But even from the transition from jail back home, I'm sure there had to be some kind of, you know, transition that you had to go through too was there anything that you struggled with or anything like that when you came out of prison i wouldn't call it struggle but it was definitely different right i mean so i was gone eight years and my wife thank god she was such a, a kind loving woman that she stuck with me and i asked her why she stuck with me and she said because she knew the real me right she because we've been together over 20 years so she knew before I was really suffering, she knew what I was like in, in my heart, right? And um, see, I always saw myself as kind of a jerk, you know, but she said, no, you, you weren't that way. You're, you're looking at yourself wrong. But when I came back, I realized that she had been doing all the finances. She had been doing the, all the household stuff. She learned how to drywall. I mean, I can't even drywall. She knows how to fix patches of drywall. And so it was, some would say it's emasculating, but you know, she's doing a great job. Why, why would I want to take it away? You know, I, I don't want to deal with the finances, you know, let her do, her do it. But yeah, so it is a, a, a big change when you come home from something like that. And right. I, that's, I teach the guys at the recovery center the same thing is even if you've only been gone 90 days in a recovery program, things have changed. You know, you're not the same person you were. And you have to realize your family has been doing your role for the last 90 days or eight years. And um, you just have to, to deal with it. And luckily, God humbled me to the point where it was, it's okay. You know, if I, can, if I can come to here 
and just spill my guts on all, all this stuff, I should be okay with my wife being able to control the household. And had, did she need counseling too, though, to, you know, obviously that was, that had been devastating for her. I mean, she knew something back when you were in the forest, she, she, you had said that she tried to get you some, some help. So I know as a spouse, you know, when your husband, when you know there's something wrong with your spouse, you are just, you like you're on high alert. Right. And um, so being on high alert all that time, and then, you know, knowing that you've gone through all this yeah. and then, you know, you being incarcerated and spending eight years in jail, like did she end up getting um, counseling? as well she she went to some friends that that were a thing and then she went to a guy for uh, i don't know maybe six or eight months and it was basically for her to understand that it wasn't her fault right because I, I think a lot of women put it on themselves that okay if, maybe if i should have done this i should have done that but there there's nothing anybody could have done she had no clue about the the pills um she knew about the depression she knew that um, in the past, a few years before that, I was on some anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants. Um, but she, she knows I, I was, you know, I'm 6'3", 230. You know, I'm a, a big guy. I could handle myself. Mm -hmm. But what we both didn't realize is how mental illness can really pull you down. It's, it's, uh, it, it's you could be as tough as you want, but it, it's going to bring you down unless you seek help. So yes, she, she did, and, and she's great now. And um, I think we're closer than ever, just because I used to try to keep things from her, right? So mm -hmm. if I if if I come home and I just you know um, we had a bad tra traffic collision where somebody died, I wouldn't tell her about it. To, I don't know if it's protecting her or I didn't want her to think that I was in danger, you know. Mm -hmm. But what happened? was that that was even worse for her not knowing. And so even though I don't do those things anymore, when I do feel stressed or pressured, what happens is I, I, I talk to her. And then she now has permission to confront me if she sees something. Like with my hands, I've had two surgeries on my hands to try to fix them, or not fix them, but to make them better, to grab things. Right. And it didn't work. And um, she sees me struggling with like a pill bottle or a, a bottle of water. I can't even hold a bottle of water. And I'll get angry and get and get mad. But she knows how to now bring bring me down, right? To to bring me to to this moment. In other right. words, you know, ground me. And um, if I I think if I would have trusted her enough back then to be open and honest with. And say, hey, you know, I'm really not doing good. I saw X, Y, Z today. Uh, I think all this probably wouldn't have happened. But if it wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have found God. I probably wouldn't be this person I am today. Because most cops, I'm not saying all, but most cops retire grumpy old alcoholics. You know, because they're they're not dealing with the, their, their stuff that they've seen and done. You know? Um, I know plenty of them and the suicide rate for retired cops is higher than work, working cops. Right. Yes. Well, and um, I know the stats when we first started working with the, um, our military, it, it started at 22 suicides per day within six months. It had uh, doubled. And now the last stat that I heard was civilians and um, military. Uh, well, everybody uh, was 136 per day. 
but dying by suicide. So I'm just like, could you imagine? Like, and and when the pandemic um, was going on, right, mm. especially right at the beginning, right, and uh, things like that, we had, I, I, I actually couldn't even put the, I couldn't put the news on anymore or even mm. look at Facebook. It came to, well, wait a minute, you didn't hear it on the news because all you heard was go get vaccinated. What you didn't hear was the people jumping off the bridges because they were, you know, isolated. Yeah. And I, I remember <clears throat> on Facebook seeing we were up to a headcount of 15 in one day. And I and that was just in my in my hometown. But you never saw that on mainstream media. And I was just like, you know, come on, like we've got to we've got to be able to do something different. And so, you, you know, that's why it's been my life mission since I found out about all the suicide right. rates that we get this under control, you know, help in any way we can give people a platform to mm. be able to share their story. And, yeah. I'll, you know, if people just want to be heard. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like people just want to know that, you know, they can talk to you, that they matter as well. And there's always hope where there's breath, there's hope. I've, I've said that, you know, um, and so that's why we're here doing this. Mm. Um, and awesome. so it, it's just, uh, you have such an incredible story, Norm. Like, and you're sitting here with a smile when you could just be pissed off and upset because of, you know, what life has thrown. Um, but you're not. And you're sitting here with a, with a smile. Well, the, the, only, a the, only reason, the only reason for that is because now I understand who God is and who he sees me as, right? Before it was what was me, what was me? I'm losing my career, I'm losing my manhood, I'm losing, you know, who I because if you're you're a first responder, you're not just a first responder. It, it's it's your you. It's who you are and what you are. It's not just a job, right? It's a right. whole a whole thing 24/7. Right. And when you lose that, it, it's it's very depressing, right? But now understanding that God that there is a God and he's got a plan. Right. So he allowed stuff to go on in my life using my sinful behavior. Right. He, because people are really pretty bad. Right. I mean, a lot of there's most people don't commit crimes, but they, they lie and they cheat and they, you know, they may even, you know, steal a little bit here and there, you know. And um, I, I like to give the example of you, you go to the grocery store, the clerk gives you $20 extra. How many people actually give it back? You know, maybe 50 percent, you know, but it's just these are the things that we do. So my sin isn't any, any worse than anybody else's, really. But in our mind, in our minds, it is. But when we know that when we ask for forgiveness, it's there, it's, it's for us. And I'm, I'm clean again. Right. And knowing that I don't have to please other people, there's still a lot, a lot of people that are mad at me and, and hate me. I get it. And I'm not putting down their judgments, but I don't need their approval to, to be a happy person or to be a joyful person. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think everything hinges around knowing God and knowing who he is and just following, like you said earlier, the Holy spirit's guiding, right. He'll, he'll guide you. If I see you, your, your Facebook page and I click on it, I, I don't think it's, it's by accident. I think it's, it's by, by um, uh, Providence that I actually, Go to your your page and listen to your um, uh, podcast. Right, absolutely. Well, and that's funny how this episode came about because I had actually somebody else scheduled for t for tonight. 
However, he had a cancel change up at the last minute. Ooh. And I just happened to go and see, uh, I, once in a while I'll hop on to need a guest in Facebook and, uh, your profile was there. And I was just like, well, wait a minute. I just took one look at you in a uniform because you had your picture of you in your mm. uniform. And I was just like, gotta have this guy in the show. I don't care. Never. I, I don't, I've done that twice in 200 episodes. God's just like, nope, get him on. And I'm just like, okay. And here well, we are. It's not by accident, right? Our meeting yeah. today, our talk today, because what it's doing is it's it's helping somebody out there. And like you said, these people that are are living a life of hopelessness, somebody's testimony of what God has done in their lives and how they've turned the things around want makes them have a, a little bit of hope that things can happen. And once you have that little bit of hope and you turn in a little bit of faith in there, your life can change. I mean, I never. I didn't like myself before I even became a cop. You know, I just wasn't a happy person for some reason. The way I like to describe it is um, we're all born with this hole in our heart, right? And all our lives, we try to fill it with stuff to make us whole, like W-H-O-L-E, right? Mm-hmm. Cars. With me, it was racing and cars and and um, power and money. It, and it might make us feel better for a little bit, but for long-term peace, because that God is that, that hole is God shaped, right? And once we we put Jesus in there, then we can feel whole, W H O L E, right? And we don't need all that other stuff. And that's what was missing in my life, and I didn't know it, you know. And right. and I just wish that I would have s- sought Him out a lot sooner. Right. Wow. That you that is incredible. What you said you said a whole lot in in just that little in that little bit too, because we <clears throat> we fill our lives with stuff. When we don't, you know, if you were to just be who God wants us to be or made us to be, instead of filling it with stuff that we don't need or, you know, always having to be busy. I know for me, uh, for many years, I I had to prove my worth by working and and doing things for others. God, I was the biggest people pleaser on the face of the earth. Um, And until, you know, you you watch your hero die and then you're told you've been an enabler your entire life. And I was just like, oh, okay. Let me take a look at this. Not get upset about it, but take a a deep look at it. And okay, you're right. So how can I change this? Um, And so, yeah, just really tuning into what he wants. (laughs) <laughs> and giving your life over to that, you know, that's that, the hard part, right? It's the hard part. Yeah. Cause you have to you give want up. Me to do what? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you want me to be happy with, with, you know, less money. And I mean, it's, it's not even that money. It's, it, it's just let, letting things happen or, or organically. Right. Uh, this one time um, I, I was walking in a parking lot and there was this huge, was obese gentleman in a wheelchair. He was having trouble um, navigating the, the the pits, the holes and stuff in the cement. And uh, this is this is me way before though. So you, uh, I'm I'm changed now. So I, I heard a voice in my head saying, "Listen, go go help that guy, right?" And I'm thinking to myself, maybe if he um, you know did it himself, he'd lose some weight. You know, I mean. I mean, it's, it's horrible to say, and I apologize to anybody because I'm a little fat too, but it, it, this is the kind of people we are, right? The, the Bible says that our hearts are wicked. So, but I finally relented and, and I went over to him and I, I helped him get to where he was going. And during the time, very nice man. He, he told me that he had some issues with 
with his um, um, uh, the, the, the body wasn't adjusted right, the hormones, and this was causing all this stuff to happen. It, it, but but my first thought was, no, I don't. I'm going to do that for you know. I got my own stuff to do. No, but this is this is the Holy Spirit. Even before I even knew Him, saying, "Do the right thing." And that's all Christianity is: is loving God, loving each other, and doing the right thing. It, everybody thinks, "Oh, it's all these laws and rules." No, just do the right thing. I love that you said that because I, you know, anyway, so I won't even get up on that soapbox. But if all he wanted was the greatest commandment was love. That's what it basically boils down to. Yeah. Love yourself, love your neighbor as you would love, love him. And boom, that is basically Christianity in a nutshell. But we get so caught up in judgments and, and crap that it makes me sick sometimes. But, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, I thought I saw something in my window. Sorry. It kind of freaked me out. It's dark up here. Yeah. And you know that the church, the church has been one of the greatest offenders. And I'm not trying to put down the church. The church is great, but we everybody knows out there what Christians are against. But do they really know what we're for? You know, especially now in this political. I don't want to get in, into politics, but in this political world, it, it's okay. Well, we're Christians are trying to to um, to stop certain behavior. But, but it's it, it shouldn't be about that right it, it, it should be loving one another we shouldn't we shouldn't be getting involved in all the all that stuff and um i know people have strong opinions about a certain things but you know if you look at the bible you can't just take scriptures out of the bible and say okay um there's no divorce you know unless there's just cheating well that's not what really what um, jesus taught jesus taught love right and not Jesus taught that women are to be honored and to cherish and, and to be treated well. So I think the Bible teaches that women should never feel that they have to stay in a relationship being abused, right? Mm -hmm. But there are churches that are out there that say, no, you have to stay with the man no matter what. And then you know what happens is domestic violence hits and you know, a lot of women get, get killed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all about love. And I, I think that very few churches really preach love and i think that's really necessary absolutely oh my gosh and the perfect person to bring on at this moment the queen of <laughs> couples united miss kimberly genovese welcome back to the Hi. show hello 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 wow what an amazing show i know right <laughs> i talk too much so filibuster no. <laughs> so, a lot <laughs> So it's really great because this is this is what we do. Right? We really do do this, right? It's the Holy Spirit guides the show, and straight up, you did not talk too much, and we'll tell you. Like we'll seriously, we'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we usually like save this kind of chatter for the green room, but hey, no, no time like now, you know, um, to, to take this on. But both both of your sharing has been spot on, like just nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it with such amazing messages. It's been it's been a real privilege to get to be back in the green. I'm like back here, like you know, standing on the table, going, "Yeah, more of that. Yes, more of that." You know, so really great. Dee, I tried to pull up the stats for you on on the suicide, um, and my my technology didn't kick in. But yeah, the numbers. Bottom line is the numbers are going up; they're not going down um, globally. Amazing. And 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 just to tie in, right? Like um, this is the this this is the high season 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the holidays are like this, this, these next three to four months is like the worst time of the year for it. So um, in light of everything that got covered tonight, and again, just can't thank you enough, both of you for such an amazing show, because what you spoke to tonight specifically, right, is like a lot of people, I even found myself even tonight in the show where it's like, man, so many people think like, oh my God, uh, getting, you know, put sent to prison, right? Like, oh, I can't think of anything worse, like that could happen to me, right? And, and I mean, they're right, but it's, it's up there. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I dare say higher than, you know, um, what do they call it? Um, what do they say people are most afraid of? A public speaking, right? Well, public speaking. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. Uh, yeah. And here we are, right? And I would imagine that you, people be like, okay, you can go to prison or get up on stage. They probably get up on stage. I'm just saying, right? Like, <laughs> it came to that. And I just really appreciate that you shared you know, something like that, where it's like, look what happened. Like God will show up. He will show up in the darkest places of your life. If you let him, like he's always with, he's always with us. Right. Always. And, and just look up, never stop looking up because he's there. And, and those darkest moments can be the most beautiful moments. And so that's our commitment on this show. Anybody who's watching the show, whenever you see the show, wherever you are, if you don't see the light, we are the light. <laughs> so hello, you know, reach out to us. And, you know, sometimes it's just one conversation, you know, just, just have one more conversation before you you know, take on what you're thinking about taking on. So um, with that said, yes, yeah, we're in the fundamentals, right? And that's a fundamental. When it's yes. dark and you're alone, reach out, reach out. Um, uh, but we would love to hear your fundamentals tonight. Well, I don't know if I remember them in order like I wrote them down, but the, no first, thing we all, the first thing we need to know or understand is that there is a plan and purpose for our lives. And we cannot stress over stuff that we cannot control. You know, if, if someone, like I said earlier, if someone doesn't like me, sure, I, I could start getting depressed and go, why doesn't the guy like me? You know, I mean, I never did nothing to him. And well, may, maybe I need to write him a letter. You know, the important thing is, is that God loves you. And um, that's really the only person that really needs to, if you really think about it. Um, I, I know it's not that simple, but um, I. But it, in should a lot of the, it should be right. And a lot of the guys that I um, I, I counsel in, in the recovery center worry about that. They're performance orientated, right? They, they and, and you were saying you're people pleaser. You can never please everybody. I mean, God was the only. Or Jesus was the only one that was perfect. We could never be everything to everybody. And and what that does is it, it perpetuates a cycle of depression. Because if you if you're trying to please your boss by maybe giving them a card or, or giving them a cupcake and that's kind of rejected, where was that going to put you? Why? You know, there's there's no reason for it. So that's one of the first things we got to just understand is let God right. And, and Jesus says, hey, you know, lay your burdens on me. I'm, I'm, I'll carry them. Just, just give them to me. And that's very difficult at the very beginning. And it was for me, too. But the more you do it. The, the more it becomes habit. And then if you have like a prayer journal 
like I kept for years a prayer journal. Okay. Um, my, my daughter told me that she was having a tough time with this. I prayed on it. And if I look back the next week, it worked itself out, you know? And so once we learn to trust God more, then everything falls into place. And um, I forgot what the, the next one was, but it was under, I think it's, we need to know who God is and who he sees us as, right? A lot of us have a false impression of who God is. He's, he's a really vindictive father. He's just waiting to, to punish us, you know, for any stupid thing we do. No, no, that's, that's not the case. We have to understand who he sees us as, you know, he, he says that we're beautifully, wonderfully made and um, accepting Jesus brings us into his family with the same um, uh, privileges that Jesus has. And we're not under Jesus. So Jesus is not the, you know, what do you call it? Um, I, I forgot the, you know, in the, in the, when you have a, a testament or a will, the, the, the guy who runs it anyway, you, you're, you're co-equal. You're the executor. Executor. Jesus is oh, the We go with him. We're all his executors, right? So, and a lot of us have these false impressions because of, of the trauma that we've been through in the past. When I was in prison, um, guys that would be or claim to be agnostic, uh, we would talk and, and they would say, no, you know, God took my my wife with cancer. So, you know, basically screw him. Um, I'm never going to believe in him again. Well, you know, it, it technically, I guess it was God who took him, but it, it, it there's a reason behind it, right? And this one guy, his mom was real sick, and he came to us um, <clears throat> at the chapel for prayer. And he was under this prosperity gospel thing where you pray for something. If you have faith enough, it will happen. I mean, you could pray for a Ferrari, and the next day God was going to put a Ferrari in your driveway, which is just ludicrous. But so we, we prayed over several nights, you know, for, for his, his mom to get well. And about a week later, she passed on. And he said, well, you know, that's it. I'm done with religion and I'm done because it, God didn't heal my mom. Well, yes, he did. I mean, if you think about it, she's in a much better place. She was a believer. So she's in a much better place than we are. I mean, it, Paul says, you know, we don't even have any clue what's waiting for us there, you know. And so, so we just have to look at things at a different perspective. And, and that's the problem. We, we look at things in an earthly, um, fleshly way of, okay, I got a boat and I got a car and I got a Rolls Royce, so I'm better than you, you know, but, but that's really not the way it is. And I think that when we get to heaven, I think we're going to see a lot of people who we never expected to see. And a lot of people aren't there that we thought were going to be there, you know, because, you know, we don't know what the inside is. So what that was that two? What's the last one? The um, last, yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. Two, two okay. down and one to go. Yep. You forgot. It said when in a trial, remember God's promise is that all things work out for the good. That's right. See, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a smart guy, right? That, I mean, that's pretty good wisdom right there. <clears throat> Matter of fact, in, hopefully, hopefully I'm praying that in Christmas, I wrote uh, my second book is um, why God allows um, suffering. And it explains all this stuff because it's the first question we all ask, right? So when, when you're in a trial, when stuff happens to you, we're the first to whine and snivel and complain about it. You know, well, why is this happening to me? God, what are you doing to me? Well, why, I'm a good person. Why? Well, first of all, nobody's a good person. So, you know, it, but there's so many reasons out there to why 
things happen. I mean, if you look at the story of Joseph, look at all the stuff that happened to him. His, his, his brothers wanted to kill him. And then they, they threw him into a pit and they sold him to some slave traders who walked him hundreds of miles to Egypt, you know, and then had to work there and then got thrown into prison. But look what happened at the end. So we're part of, of a grand plan. You, you may be the, the, main, the main actor or we could just be, um, what do they call it, um, accelerant, you know, just smaller actors. I'm having trouble with my words today. Um, we can just be smaller actors, but we all have a role to play Supporting in the kingdom. Supporting actors. Supporting actors. Supporting. There it is. Damn, I got I, you. We got you. We got you. Kimberly's good at this. You guys. <laughs> you guys are great. So, so we, we don't know what that plan is, but if we trust that God, and, and he says this, he promises this in the Bible, all things work for the good for those who love him. If we keep the faith and, and we love him, something as good is going to ponder, you know, in the first few years in prison, I would have never admitted that something good is going to happen. You know, no, this, this can't be, I mean, I'm, I'm um, uh, yelled at and cussed at every day because of who I was. Right. But then things started to change around. And, and when God started changing my heart, really, even the, the, the baddest guys there, you know, started asking me about their cases and, Hey, you know, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So really, I, I, God's put me through a lot, but he's protected me also, you know? And now that I see the plan, right, because of all these things that happened, all the schools that were available to me, uh, all the opportunities to counsel people, uh, uh, the jobs. I mean, when I came home, I got a job immediately at a at a residential facility. I, I thought nobody would hire me because of the prison, but no, they, they this is great. Yeah, we want you. We just don't know, right? And and this could be God's plan all along that maybe even today, somebody that we're talking to out there can change their life. And even if if we all could change one life, that, that would have been worth it, right? All the stuff, all the horrible crap that I've been through would be worth it if I could change one life and bring one person to Jesus and that one person to spend eternity in heaven. And, and but we all get caught up in our own world and, you know, our egos get involved, our pride gets involved. And so, but, but God promises that as long as you stay, stay fast. And in my, in the new book, I, I try to explain that by saying, well, should our prayer be God take this away from me? Like, like, like Jesus said, you know, God, you know, God take this cup away. Or should we be praying, God, what do you want to teach me in this? What is it that you want me to learn? And maybe the trial will end a lot sooner because most of our trials have some kind of a, a, a teaching um, component to them because we never grow without some type of pain. You know, if, if everything good always happened, we'd just be spoiled brats, right? Just like the kids. So um, that's, that's why Romans 8.28 is so important. Right. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I talked too much again. I know. Yeah, Sorry. that's beautiful. And and iron sharpens iron, right? Mm. Um, so it, you know, I, I, it's funny when you're saying, if if everything was always easy, always simple, oh, right? Then we it, we'd be soft, right? There's no there. You, you can't build mm. muscle against nothing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, exactly to your point, you know. Um, you know, I really 
want to drive that last one home, especially for people in our audience that, you know, listen, it's cool if you're not, you know, in love with God and whatever, you know, you view source to be like, we use references to God and Jesus, right? Like we want to make sure the audience is clear, you know, whatever that source is for you. And, and if you're not in touch with source at all, just get that what we're speaking to here is, is it's not over till it's over. And sometimes, you know, we find ourselves in a space where we think like, oh, this is it. And it's like, no, the ba- the bread's still baking in the oven. Yeah. Just like take a breath and, and, and really allow everything to complete and yeah. really be standing in, this is working for my good, period, yeah. period. And again, the minute that you're, you can't say that in all earnest, seek support seek support from someone who's not going to convalesce with you (laughs) and agree with you you know that it's bleak and it's dark you go find somebody who knows it's been where you've been been where you've been and gotten to the other side yeah Yeah, no i I totally agree and and I, i agree with another thing you said is that my power source is is the christian god but i i do believe that spirituality in itself no matter what your spiritual choice is is the key right understanding that we are not god that there is something out there that's more powerful than us and that's designing something you know because if you're an atheist and you don't believe in anything that that means that we're just here willy-nilly and we live and we die and that that's it I can't believe that that I mean, I used to think that to a little bit, but yeah. I, I see it now that it, it's it can't be that much. There's got to be a, a plan and a purpose to it. And whether it's one God, another God, Buddhism, whatever the case may be, right. just understanding there's something greater than ourselves can give us more peace. Yeah, I always like to point people um, for what this is worth to nature. There's such mm. like there's so many great videos that show like how all of nature works together, yeah. you know, and the beautiful orchestra and symphony that it is. And I always laugh like I'll watch those and you guys, people in the audience, just Google it, right? Google videos on nature harmony, harmoniously working together. And you watch this for five minutes and you can't not laugh your butt off and go, really? really this is just arbitrary (laughs) nobody designed this nobody architected this really really come on (laughs) and that is that is really important and and that's why when i was a new christian uh, i had gone my whole life with you know oh yeah it's it's evolution it's evolution evolution and i believe in evolution but then when you read the bible you you kind of makes you wonder so what I did in the book is I actually have a, a couple of chapters that are a Bible study, right? Showing why we should believe that the Bible is true. Why? And, and not going into a hundred, you know, details because there's other books about that, but just an overview, you know, a 25,000 foot view down on why we should believe that creation is true and why it's, it's, it's um, why God, you know, sent his son down here and, and what, what the, the, the sacrificial process was before Jesus and, and now why is Jesus's death on the cross was so important? And it's in plain, simple language that even I could understand because it, it is so important in that um, believing in God, believing who he is and why he does the things he does 
and then who he believes who we believe who he believes us to be and and so that bible study is so so important and, and anybody that's having a a little bit of an issue with really truly believing that the bible is true i recommend just um it, getting this book just for that part of it because again i i explain everything so simply that my daughter's a sixth grade teacher and she um she changed her mind about she was hooked on evolution too you know and she, she changed her mind too going oh wow you know I, I didn't really think about that i didn't think about this i didn't think about that so um all these things are important to really keep your faith if your faith is strong everything will work but Amen. faith is also an action word right so we have to put that into action we can't just you know, willy nilly say, okay, uh, do your best. I'm going to sit here and relax. And you do, no, you know, it doesn't work. But damn, that would be nice. That would be nice. Right? Well, you know, sometimes there is for us to like, sometimes the action is no action, right? It, it, and, and, you know, this could be a whole nother show, right? Mm -hmm. So, so responsibly, um, I, Thank you for the privilege of getting to be with you inside the fundamentals. Your fundamentals are beautiful. They always are. They're always timely and perfect. I'm super excited about your books for our audience because um, I just love that you've created things to be very, very simple and easy to understand and embrace. And I'm personally excited to read them myself. So awesome. thank you thank so you. much. It's been a privilege and an honor. Uh, I realized that I did not let everyone know because I know, like, you know, I'm the roving reporter and all. I am at King Spa, hence the, you know, I, like, you know. I recognize the Right? Bring, bring it at home for everybody. And also just, you know, a quick uh, plug for thekimber.com, right? Um, mm -hmm. And a reminder that uh, Tuesday, first Tuesday of the month is our 411 night. So um, please, all are welcome. That is our, our contribution back to uh, humanity. And so it mm -hmm. is a free workshop to empower people to fulfill their dreams yeah. so um thank you thank you both and back to you dorothy thank you and where can people get a copy of your book well they can go to the publisher which you can connect through my website which is christ-centeredhealing.com or they can go to amazon and it's christ-centered healing of trauma and it will pop up okay Perfect. Thank you so much. It's actually been an amazing pleasure getting to know you here this last hour. It was fun. And yeah, uh, totally fun. I just want to, as soon as I can find it here, give the last shout out to the last sponsor of today's show. We are having, which is us, we are having a um, an amazing event coming up November 18th. It is a free event for everybody. So we are having six amazing speakers and you want to talk about, um, you know, being confused and really wanting clarity within your life and being that unstoppable force that's going to get you through everything. A lot of people right now are just like confused. They're frustrated. Um, and you know, really looking and seeking for hope. And, and that's what we are bringing. We are bringing six amazing speakers to this event. It is November 18th from uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Actually, Mrs. Kimberly here is going to be a speaker as well as myself. We're going to have Jen Sahari of Strongholds Foundation, Drew Durency, who is um, a the Real Men's Catalyst. Uh, we have Portia Steele, who is... Uh, 
She is an author and she helps other people get their story out. Mm -hmm. And we have Inger Van Roo, who is the community connector, which uh, is bringing us all together. And we have the amazing Dawn Hill all the way from Oklahoma, who is bringing it home with, um, you know, breaking through the labels. So it's simple. All you guys have got to do is just go to www.unstoppableovercomers.com mm. backslash event and register for this event. Like it's, it's free uh, to everybody. And so we, this is our contribution to the last, the last of the year event that we'll be doing. Yes, this will be my last event this year. This is the last event I'm doing um, before, you know, the holidays. And this is going to get you through the holidays. You know, people mm. are, you know, um, you want hope. We're bringing you hope. You guys mm. want uh, certainty. We're going to bring you certainty. You want to get rid of that haze that you've been around for a long time. We mm. are going to get you the golden nuggets to get through that haze. So simple, really simple. Just go to our, our website unstoppableovercomers.com backslash events. Just click on the registration form. You must register for this event and it will not be on social media. This is one thing mm -hmm. I am not putting out on social media. You have to register for the event. It's free. There should be no reason why you just don't go click, mm -hmm. uh, but it will not be on social media. This will be a private event, um, but all are welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so go register today. Uh, and thank you so much, Norm, for uh, for joining us and sharing your story. Absolutely mm. loved your story. Uh, and, and you know, thank you for not giving up on yourself uh, and here to, sh to share it. And thank you, Kimberly, for being our amazing mm. Roman reporter. Uh, say hi to those people over at King Spock is I'm going to have to go back in the new year. Uh, <laughs> Kimberly. Kimberly brought me there for my birthday and it was an amazing time and we'll have to go back. But uh, guys, be unstoppable in all that you do. Go check out book, Norm's book and see you same time, same channel next week. Bye for now.